And so you so you have to spend so much time not not thinking about like oh this cool weapon I'm designing or this cool quest or this new city. It's like no, it's like can we get seven versions of this tree? Scotch <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 410 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, I'm the web programmer. I'm Sam, but I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 7th, 20 Jubilee. Okay. Took me a get it. Sev. Sev. Yeah. Sev. Mm-hmm. You just don't need that. Ex- <laughs> you just don't need that extra syllable. I'm oh, that's true. Honest. I mean, I got it. You could tell you knew which exactly what I was. You could just you call it. You just call it Sev. You don't need Sev. the N. What do you need the N yeah. for? You don't need it. Get get save so much time. This is one of the many innovations that we've been working on here. Butterscotch shenanigans. Oh, I mean, seven this- is the only multi-syllable number, right? Because it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now yeah. get out of there. Get, get out of there, there seven. Seth. What's that about? What's that about? <laughs> now, before we go any further, there's going to be cursing on this show. So, you know, just now, now you know. You already knew that. You definitely already knew that. Pick right? it up. It's a, you get a vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. just feels like you're on the edge all the time. <laughs> I do feel like uh, that's true. There is some sort of a vibe that's like, oh, yeah, profanity's coming. There's a level as soon as you hear loudness. voices, you're like, these guys, uh, this is not good. Mm-mm. This is something's go- about to go down. Yeah. Curses. Okay. They're coming. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. If you'd like to support the podcast, uh, go ahead and go over there and do that. You know, make, a little, make a little donation. And if you would like to support the podcast, still go over there and make a donation. And yeah. then just. Just to see how much you hate it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow, I I hated that. I'm going to need a bigger sample. Yeah, we also hate getting donations, but only if they are coming from people who Who don't want to give them to us. Yeah. So if you really want to like make us feel bad. Get under our our goose. (laughs) (laughs) One goose, a couple bucks. Just saying. It's a pretty good Uh, deal, really. All right, gang. Here's the deal. We, there's I, a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in the studio. We're we're doing crazy stuff with Crash Sense too. We got all kinds of marketing stuff we're working on. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, a trillion AI things happened this week and last week, and that's always true. So yeah. we're just not going to talk about it for a while because <laughs> you know. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all cheap. The AI podcast. Yeah. Um, and also, there's like a million YouTube videos uh, every day now about all the AI news. So if you're interested, just go look those up, you know, because it's out there. Uh, so instead, we're we're just going to go right into questions and uh, see if we can blaze through uh, perhaps one, maybe even two questions. Ooh, ooh, wait, 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 we got a whole episode to do it. So, I mean, we could probably get through one. Ambition is one of our values here yeah. at Butterscotch and Indians. And, that and means- speed. Yeah. yeah, that means one question at least. And also okay. on yes. that note, we <laughs> are, despite how slowly we answer questions, we're also running out because uh, the way that the, we answer them so slowly, we answer them so slowly <laughs> the way the podcast page was set up was to be like, hey, we don't want to, because we answer questions slowly, we don't want to get overwhelmed with the sheer number of questions just ever growing and waiting there, you know, so it has an auto purge functionality that just throws away questions that haven't gotten any votes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But over time, that's basically meant that people kind of ask questions at the rate we answer them because uh, I guess the incentive might be low. And so, yeah. so then 
we have an ever shrinking collection of questions instead. So please go, please go to podcast.bscutshot.net. Throw some more questions in the ring. If you've asked a question in the past and it's not there anymore, first, I'm sorry. But then second, please don't ask it again. <laughs> uh, and uh, my plan is uh, the week that everybody's listening to this podcast to have put out an update to the website that stops Stops doing those questions. So uh, we we may still auto prune them after some like extended period of time. Yeah. If if there's a lot of questions in there, but we shouldn't be doing that when there's like, right now there's like four left, I think. We pruned Um, too hard. We flew too close to the sun. We pruned too close to the sun. That's also (laughs) how you make prunes. So it is. Yep. Just get them close to the sun, baking all that moisture out of there. Yeah. And before we get into questions, I need to talk about prunes real quick because uh, I'm so fucking mad about this. Wait, what are you okay. mad about? Mad about prunes? Okay. What's a prune? Tell me. It's a plum. D- d- I, your plum it's a plum. It? It's a shriveled right? up plum. It's a shriveled up plum. Why? It's also is a stool there, softener. Yeah. Yeah. Why is there prune juice? Is that not plum juice? I don't know. Is, is it, it made from it when it's a plum? Or is it it's made from a it plum. when it's a prune? Well, I think we're. It would be, be like, be like calling wine. It would be like calling wine raisin juice. Like it's it's made of grape juice, right? Like yeah, but I think it's because you don't take raisins and smash them to make wine. You take grapes and smash them, and there's a taste of it. Yeah, do you raisin? Right. Yeah. Where does prune juice come from? Does it come from the process of making prunes? If a prune is already shriveled up and kind of like dried out, there it's not full of juice. The yeah, juice but maybe, was in the plum. But maybe no, you captured it while making prunes, you know? So it's like the juice that used to be in the prune, which is what caused it to be a plum. But now it's just yeah, I guess prune. If you called it evaporated plum juice, it's maybe a little less marketable, you know? Yeah, but there, but it's got the juice had to have come from the plum. That's where the juice was. Now, you take the juice out, you got a prune now. These are the kinds of things. It does seem like a marketing failure too, right? Because prunes have like a, a very unappetizing kind of a vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Compared yeah. to a plum, which is like one of the tastiest of fruits. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And prunes are like prunes are fine, but mostly like you don't even actually. Maybe it's this. Maybe they actually intentionally make those things sound worse because if you eat too much, you just you just poop everything just, out of your you whole just body. Shit. Mm, that's and true. so that way they're like, oh, it's prunes, you know? So, like, now you have to be in the know to even consider eating mm. it or drinking the prune juice. They should have given it one of those really long drug names instead, like prunatol or something. You know yeah. Because I mean? yeah. Yeah. that way you're like, I'm definitely taking something that's going to wreck my body. Yep. On the inside. I yeah. like the idea that a company is like, look, we've got all this juice. We're going to sell it. That's a given because yep. money. <laughs> And when we do that, people will shit so hard their pants fly. Okay? <laughs> and then we'll get sued so, for various shit-related catastrophes. Uh, right. so, but so it's only a, a problem if people didn't know they were going to shit. That's the thing. Yeah. It's only a problem. Well, exactly. So that's why they're saying like, okay, so we're our goal is to maximize our, our money and reduce our lawsuits. We're going to sell this, this pants-shitting juice. Yep. So we're going to need to just market it in a way that, that like – Let's us sell it, but minimizes people's desire for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so we can reduce our lawsuits, reduce societal harm from all the shits, and then maximize profit. And that's called that's business. That's that's how you balance things. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah, that's right. All right, now I, I just get that off my chest. Let's go into questions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. If you want to get your question on a future episode, go there, ask it, and hopefully, we'll stop deleting them. So, uh, 
Highest upvoted question comes from FGKG. Uh, K-A-I-J-I. It's not just like four letters. It's like F-G and then a name. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you approach determining the size of each art asset? Especially now that the art is in pixels, was there a target screen resolution or base unit of measurement that Mm. helped set the initial foundation? This is one of those good questions that is very annoying to realize you have to answer when you're making a fucking video game, I will say. <laughs> because <laughs> when, you, like, when you get into making a video game out, you're like, yeah, I'm make cool monsters, cool creatures or else. You don't say like, but but how many pixels do I get to do that? And then how long does it take to figure out how, to, how many pixels I need, right? So actually when we started Crashlands 2, one of the first things we did was basically scale tests, which was to put some rough ideas into a game world, change the camera, change the size of the isometric grid tiles, which did actually shrink quite a bit. Um, all this stuff where it was just like, I don't remember how long it was, like probably two weeks of just doing these kind of like rapid scalar changes to see how to get it such that the character was about the size that we wanted. And then that stuff around that character was able to be bigger meaningfully and smaller meaningfully, but still not disappear or take up too much of the screen. Yeah, because so you want room like, for variation and scale. Yeah, but yes. your baseline has to be already like good for people's eyeballs and understanding of silhouettes of things and mm-hmm. being able to interpret like animation windups well, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, there, and there's a, a final piece to it as well, which is that the size that you represent things on screen is is dictated by the mechanics of the game yep. too. So if you think about like, and this works. This works in either either like games that have a lot of, of planning to them or games that have a lot of action. In both cases, zooming out is is better. So if you think about like a Stardew Valley, okay? You're managing your farm, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's say the character was like 30% bigger, mm-hmm. okay? Just took well, that means more that, of you know, screen. Yeah, that means just like everything's 30% bigger because you don't have like a giant character now like that's the size of a tree. Like you got to scale everything up. Mm-hmm. Which means now you can just see less. You can see less of your farm. You can see less of the town, and it just makes it much harder to make you know interesting scenes and and, and a lot plan less. Because right? if you scale that character's you know height by thirty percent up, that means you're scaling in both directions the actual window, right? So you're basically zooming in by thirty percent in both directions, and so you're actually cutting yes. out like an enormous fraction of what used to be. Yeah. It's an area problem, you yeah. know, but then the other, the other thing comes with action. So if you think about a game like Super Meat Boy, which is just a, your quintessential, fast. like, fast-paced platformer, uh, I think we measured it out at one point. I think Meat, Meat Boy is like 4% yeah. of the vertical screen size yeah, it was or something tiny like that. And it's because the character moves so fast and there are so many other things that are also moving fast that will come and hit you. You need to see them from a long ways off. And so, you know, the first question you need to answer when you're deciding how big anything is, is how big is the character? Like, how big is the focal point? And what, how what much does do, the player need to be able to see all at a t- at one time? Yes. Yeah. How much How much do I need to see? Uh, and again, like I said, the, the speed of the game is it always tells you to zoom out, basically. Uh, unless you're trying to, I don't know, do something super claustrophobic or, or whatever else. Um, so... Yeah, we, we started there and then and then you get into that, that 4K question, which is like, okay, so what devices are we targeting? What, you know, aspect ratio is going to be common there? So uh, 1920 by 1080, for example, on, you know, PCs, just 16 by 9 is uh, the ratio it's used on basically 
most TVs and uh, monitors and stuff. But in the last couple of years, that has been getting way more wibbly wobbly. Yeah, that just um, continues to get less true month by month on every yeah. fucking platform. So now you have to deal with the fact that, like, okay, you you want a particular kind of a viewing experience for your game to maximize the impact of the systems and the mechanics that you have to get the kind of play you want. But there's an iPad over there that looks like a cookie sheet, and then there's this wraparound insane monitor that someone bought that's seven times its you know height and width, and so you end yeah, up. My with wife this has one of those ultra wides, and it's just like hilarious looking at it because it just it's it's like looking through a spaceship window, you know? Yeah, I mean the worst really the worst short, we've seen and it's just so wide. The worst we've seen because her hers is an ultra wide monitor, which is is actually pretty close to the dimensions of like an iPhone. It's like yeah. two point yeah. one by one. Yeah, yeah. But there, like, we have had people like when, but like when we were less well versed in kind of how to handle this kind of like this wild dimension problems. Um, you know, we have had people write us and say like, "Oh, I'm trying to play Crashlands on my five by one monitor, mm-hmm. yep. and it's not working very well." Right, and we're like. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> does does anything work well on this one? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, because also from interface design perspective, um, you you think about anchor points, right? So <laughs> like the corners, the corners of the screen, right? Not usually. It's, it's the corners of the screen, yep. right? And so um, and so you know you got to think about what happens if if the monitor scales so much, and we also think about things like and. In video games, we use – it doesn't matter if it's 3D, 2D, whatever. We always use lots of tricks to increase performance of the game where if you can't see something, it's gone. then we do tricks to it to make it less performance like heavy. So in some cases in a game, you'll see like if you enter a building – they'll have like a little curve in the hallway or something like mm-hmm. that so that you actually can't see into the building. And then once you're in the building, you can't see outside. Well, they do that because actually they'll, they'll fully despawn all of the game assets in the other space because mm-hmm. you can't see them anymore, right? Yeah. So there's all this like purposeful blocking and stuff. If you have one of these super wide monitors, it's not just that your video card has to work harder to process, you know, all the extra pixels that you have. It's that actually the game, you're not forcing the game to spawn a lot of extra stuff mm-hmm. in into existence that normally would wouldn't it wouldn't have to because it would be outside of your viewport, mm-hmm. right? And so there's all these weird like performance problems that come with these super giant weird monitors. I don't know. I think I think if you're going beyond like a two by one, you're setting yourself up for a lot of like constant debugging in like every game that you play, you know? Yeah. So I think Um, when we, once we get the initial scale of characters and scene established, and again, that's based on like systems, mechanics, whatever else. And you could do that by speed. Yeah. Speed. Um, You could do that by just taking, look at some reference games that, that have it do a similar thing or whatever else. And just, I mean, just grab them for that scale difference to start with and then kind of play with it from there. There's no point in trying to be like, I don't know, taking a blank canvas and going, going at it because because you don't know what you're doing, basically, um, given how all these systems tied together. So there's there's that. And then when it comes to the 4K thing, uh, we decided for Crashlands 2, I think we decided not to care about it, basically, right? Well, so the way that the way that we handle resolution in 2D games is a little bit different than what you do in a 3D game. So in a 3D game, you've got models and the models have textures on them. Um, the texture on a model could be... A, any size really like you could have a uh like a a simple ball 3d model 
and then you could have a 4K resolution texture on that right. ball. Yeah. Um, and if the person, if if the player is looking at that ball, and the player is on like a low res monitor, blah blah blah, the texture on the ball is still 4K. It's just you can't the, see it. the monitor just doesn't have enough pixels to render all the detail unless you just like get clo- really close to the ball and keep zooming in on it, right? So it's kind of weird because like in 3D, there can be lots of detail innately in the objects that the monitor just can't render. Mm-hmm. But that's not true in 2D. In 2D, it's it's just pixel by pixel. So like if Sam makes an art asset, the pixels in the asset, that's all of them. If you zoom in on, on Sam's drawing of a plant, you're not going to suddenly see way more detail on, on the leaves, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just going to become blurry because we, we've got to interpolate the, the pixels. Um, and so we have to first pick that base resolution, which uh, at the moment our, our default resolution is, is 1920 by 1080. So it's HD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, you know, for, for larger monitors, we just have to up, upscale the, the, the game. And then when we have different, uh, dimensions, so if the monitor is like extra long to the sides, then we just, we just increase the size on, to the sides. So you can just see more of mm-hmm. the world on the side. So we don't, we don't stretch it or anything weird like that. And the same thing goes like if you're on a weird, like an iPad, we just, we just expand the top and the bottom. You instead, can just see more. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So we established what we call, we call the, uh, we call the safe space, which is just that 1920 by 1080 block in the middle that will always be visible for everybody. And then depending on your shape of your device, you may get a little extra on the sides or the top and the, and the bottom. Um, and for more extreme yeah, cases too, or if you just need more control for some aspect of design, then you just, you know, black bar out. So like, so in level head, we have, we let, we let a camera take control and like, uh, it, it's like one of the things you can do as a, when you're making levels in level head, right? And as soon as the camera can like, or we have like a camera detector and that kinds of stuff, right? Related to the player basically hijacking the camera. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that since what you can see depends on your device's shape, right? Yeah. Then it becomes really easy for somebody to like try to make something that assumes a 1920 by 1080 sort of dimensions. Uh, where somebody on a wider device would actually be like off screen or something, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden we can create these scenarios where, where depending on the player's screen shape, once the camera gets hijacked and it starts, you know, moving on its own or whatever, it can really like fuck with the player experience. And yeah, so, so we kind of, yeah, so we kind of we identify those points in, in level head where, uh, where we actually couldn't let the screen just be kind of an arbitrary aspect ratio. Um, and for those moments, we just force it to be, I assume 16 by nine and then just draw yep. black bars, um, to, you know, force that to be true. Um, yeah. Cause at that point, the, the camera is a, is a game mechanic cause going off screen kills you. Yep. Right? Once, once the, uh, the level designer takes control of the camera and forces the camera to move in certain ways, then it's kind of like those levels in like old Mario, right? Where like the camera's moving on its own. And if you end up off screen, you're dead, you're right? Dead. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, like Adam was saying, if, if one player is on a five by nine or five by one monitor, uh, and then quote going off screen kills you, well, they got so much room, like, <laughs> yeah. they can never die. Right. And so they, yeah, they, they would be able to make all kinds of cheesy levels that you can only beat on a five by one monitor, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of kind of planning that, that goes into, yeah. into aspect. I, I think the, I think the main thing with really with 4k versus, you know, 1k or whatever, right. Is actually target device. Cause it is, it actually is the case that if there are more pixels and someone has more pixels on their screen, like as long as you code it up 
all appropriately, you can actually show more pixels and stuff, right? Uh, but if most of your target audience, or it's not even true. It's like, so, so what happens in, in like 3D games is they'll just load different textures depending on the yeah. scenario, right? So if something is far away, they'll load a low resolution texture on that thing because you wouldn't be able to see the extra pixels, right? Because there aren't enough pixels to show on, on the screen to show them at that distance or whatever. Yeah. And so, so that's one of the things that happens a lot in 3D games is basically you have to have multiple textures at different resolutions for different distances, right? Or even different models. Like or in some models, cases, yeah. they'll even do stuff like they'll they'll have like a tiny uh, like 2D image of say a tree. Yeah. And just and once the tree it. gets far enough away, they, they yeah, just get rid of there. the 3D model entirely and they just make a little billboarded like picture of a tree back yep. there. Yeah. And you don't even notice because, you know, but the, and that's one of those weird technical things that like you, you have to do that by hand in 3D games, but not necessarily anymore. Because uh, engines like Unreal Engine mm-hmm. now do this kind of stuff out of the box. Like, yeah, you, they you just make a 3D. they just released that update. That's yeah, yeah it's cool. So, like, you make a 3D model of your, of your tree, and it's like fully detailed and whatever. And then you put like ten thousand of these trees, you know, off in the distance, and you boot up the game, and it somehow is still running at two hundred <laughs> FPS or something. It's like, what's going on? Well, it's it's di- it uh, it pre processed everything made, you know, lower res versions of all that stuff when you uploaded it, and then it will dynamically switch them for you so you don't have to worry about it. I have a question. You know. But the problem is it all has to be in there, right? So if you're trying to ship a game yes. and meet a certain, like, overall package size, um, so, like, if you're targeting mobile or, mm-hmm. or lower-end devices or whatever, right, um, then you have to decide, like, am I going to ship? Because, because most – it still is the case – that especially if you're going cross-platform, that most users can't take advantage of 4K, right? Yes. Uh, but if they have to still load 4K textures on everything, um, then you're bumping up their memory literally. Like the memory usage is going up 4X, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're like everything is going up 4X in terms of processing, despite the fact that the end result is that you throw almost all that information away, right? Yeah. And so that means that you either then say, I don't give a shit if people are wasting their device energy right on this task because either I don't care what happens to loan devices or well, uh, I can't or <laughs> I can't, can't or whatever right yeah. <laughs> yeah um or you say okay well let me have multiple textures just like so you just have your lower res and your higher res ones and you just depending on the device or just or you know whatever right you just swap in the right one and that is a strategy that people will take is they'll take they'll start everything at basically like a 4k equivalent kind of resolution and then scale down um, based on like the actual size in game or based on like the target device resolution or whatever. And then either settle on one size, even though everything starts one way, um, or end up with lots of alternate textures basically they can swap. Um, but the kind of bang for your buck there is like it's a, it's a pretty costly strategy just from like an art asset management mm-hmm perspective um as well as for a final package size because now you have to pack in all these textures as well right um, yeah which is why games are you know like 150 gigabytes nowadays or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like pc games or yeah, it's, it's games. basically it's textures and sounds right it's like makes up almost all of that um, yeah volume. but it's we it's weird because it's kind of like uh you would think that you know having a game that's now 150 gigabytes is like isn't that going to be even worse for performance to have a game that has that much stuff and it's like no what the extra stuff is is it's just stuff that's hanging out on disc 
mm-hmm. waiting yeah. to be swapped in. It's like, it's like a tag team wrestling match, right? It's like, yeah. oh shit, the frame rate's tanking. Quick, tag me in. I'm a shitty billboarded version <laughs> of this tree. I can help with the frame rate. And then they swap that in whenever things go go bad, right? So yep. you need a lot of stuff that you uh, – swappable things on disc to keep the game running. Yeah, so it's always a cost-benefit thing, right? Which is like, is the value of going 4K so high for your game and your art style, right? That it's worth putting up with all of that stuff. All the extra pain. Yeah. So when it comes to bringing 4K to the 2D side, how would that look for us in the case of Crashlands 2? Yeah, like, I would I just be exporting bigger assets? But then if you're on 1980, yeah. you can't Well, there's, there's actually, there's, there's two parts to it. Okay. So, so yeah, let's say, let's say just to kind of establish a baseline of what you would do in a 3D game, mm-hmm. right? There's like, there's kind of, just kind of like a couple aspects to visual quality. One is how many polygons are in a 3D model, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the other is, is the resolution of the textures that get wrapped around yes. that model, right? Yeah. And the, so the polygons so, have to do with basically how much apparent like shape detail there is. Right. Yeah. So if something has 10,000 polygons, that sounds like a lot, but actually it's not that much detail. And it, you'll kind of see like, like the, the classic example is like, you know, back in like, you know, the late nineties video game characters always had like cube hands and yeah, triangle feet, know, triangle feet and stuff like that. Like they just didn't have that many polygons. And so the interesting thing about 3d is you can swap in a new model that has more polygons and, mm-hmm. or, or you can swap in a texture for that model that has more pixels. Um, but its relationship to the, the game world is unchanged. The, the model is the same size. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what's confusing me about the 2d case. Cause if I double the size of flux, then she is twice as tall as she was, which means that the camera doesn't work. Well, you yeah, still, so you still, because because in the end, like things are drawn in two D the same way they're drawn in three D, right? Which is basically a triangle identifies some piece of a of a texture, which is just an image, right? And then basically sends the thing to the graphics card and is like, "Hey, take this little triangle on this image and then draw it over here on the screen, right? And draw it mm-hmm. on the monitor." And so, depending, so basically, when you tell the graphics card, like, "Here, grab this this like, let's just hundred pixel." by 100 pixel triangle, mm-hmm. right? If you say, go grab this 100 pixel by 100 pixel triangle out of the texture image, but then draw it onto the screen at, at this 200 by 200 triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Then it'll basically interpolate the stuff in between, right? Like it. So do you do it, but you do it the other way then? Yeah, so, so you basically right. do it the other way around if you're doing like, if you've got 4K textures and you want to draw them. You draw it 50%. Yeah, so the same way like you can, you can like, because you can just like, you uh, we already do, right? When we make our assets and then we give them a random scale of like, oh, let's let it scale yeah, down to 80% my, or whatever. My right? question there though is that like when you when we do that for assets, then there's a point at which the asset becomes less sharp. Well, because the question is what's happening for down. pixels that don't yes. exist, either in the image or on the monitor, right? So if you've got a 4K image mm-hmm. and you're sort of like zooming in on it, Right. Then you're basically you have to every time you're not at the full scale of the image, you have to invent pixels that aren't there. Right. Because you can't show all the pixels because Mm -hmm. there's too many. Right. So you have to, like, compress that into a fake image that represents that by, in effect, blurring it. Right. Because you're just you're sampling that original image to create a new one that has fewer pixels. It's a a downscaling. Right. Mm -hmm. Similar when you upscale. 
if you've got too small of an image, now you need to fill more pixels. Then it's like, okay, it's literally, you just make a new image now, right? So if you think of it like you're going, you're if you're revealing a 4K image, then what you're actually doing is you're creating, like if you imagine zooming on it slowly, you're creating mm-hmm. successive new images that are basically invented by trying to interpolate what would be there if the image was actually that small, right? So, but wouldn't it just be blurry? And it's all, it's all, it's not blurry exactly because because like these algorithms are really good for like guessing, and also if the thing is relatively small then that means you can't see as many details anyway, right? So you don't really notice as much that the details are worse. But it is the case, though, that because the difference between, like, the actual graphic, like on a pixel-to-pixel exact Mm -hmm. relationship, so if you have exactly the pixels from the texture on the pixels on the screen, that's always when it's going to look the sharpest and the best, Mm -hmm. right? One-to-one. One-to-one. But as soon as you have to start inventing data... Um, by either drawing pixels that aren't there or throwing pixels away, right? Then you're basically, it can't look as sharp. But just how not sharp it looks depends on the algorithm that's doing that work mm-hmm. and the relative difference in that scale. Got it. Um, so yeah, so we, we decided then to go with the 1920 by 1080 because we were like, we know this will look as we intended to look for most people and as an important art consideration. Uh, as an artist, you can spend a lot of time on details that people cannot see. They used to work in vector. I've talked about this before because you could you could just zoom in, you can keep on zooming in vector. And the reality is, that, again, when it gets exported from your vector program into a PNG, it's it's actually undergoing this process that I was talking about, which is there's a lossiness happening where it's converting, you know, the points where there's a black line between 17 different pixels as it sort of moves because it's not drawn in pixel space. How do you how do you interpret that as you export the thing? So you actually always like end up with blurry chunks. Yeah, and, and this is and this is where the whole anti-aliasing and like these these yes. like concepts that you see and like how many subsamples to take below. That's basically all. Those are basically about how good of a job do we do? How like how much computational energy do we throw at trying to get really good uh, sort of in, interpolations slash interpretations, right? Of like. Going away from the, from the one to one scale, but there's there's actually a piece of this that people don't think about as much, which is there's a reason why you could actually scale stuff like up and down pretty aggressively, and it doesn't seem less sharp. And that's because unless you're doing a pixel perfect game, where which you don't see in 3D, but you often see in like 2D pixel style games, mm-hmm. where things also move on a pixel by pixel basis. So like a character is in one position with all of its pixels, and it moves to like another adjacent set of pixels or whatever, right? Mm-hmm then you're always already having to interpolate between pixels because now you can imagine like the image that you're trying to draw is offset on the monitor by like a half a pixel. Half pixel, yes. Which right. we have, we've had to deal with that with the camera before. Yeah, because now you can't uh, draw that either because like, that means that the pixels that are being drawn are the ones that are halfway in between the pixels that actually exist, right? <laughs> yeah. So that to actually accomplish that, you have to go through that same process of aliasing. And so like in our games, the vast majority of the time, any given image is between pixels. It's in it's some sub-pixel yep. coordinate. Right. And it's also being scaled usually by some like 10 percentage or whatever up or down. Right. And so we're already occupying that space all the time, basically, and almost never have like a perfect pixel to pixel lineup. And so if we were to, for example, have everything start at 4K and then just draw it downscaled by half. Right. On monitors that that basically like draw things at 10 or 1K. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Then it would basically look the same as it does right now. Right. 
but if we were then to draw everything bigger, as in like tell everything actually to draw it at a one-to-one scale on people who have large enough monitors that we can support it, then all of a sudden, like all those pixels that were being thrown away, which are still usually being sub-pixel sampled because they're not actually directly one-to-one, right? But there's still a lot more pixels there, so the detail is going to look better. Yeah, this this also kind of changes depending on device and like something that you yeah. you can you can try if you've got Crashlands on PC and on something like an Android device or an, or an iPhone. Um, if you if you zoom in a bunch, so like you can change the field of view in Crashlands. So if you change the field of view to the smallest field of view, and then you know run it on your on your desktop PC, you'll notice that like flux in the center of the screen is kind of blurry. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if you do that on a, on a phone, flux is actually quite sharp because Why? the way because the way the rendering pipeline works uh, on desktop versus on a phone is just different. And the fact that like the phones have a higher pixel density and all this mm-hmm. other stuff going on. And like we actually do have Flux in Crashlands. Flux is actually output at double scale. And then we scaled Flux down mm. uh, by half. And and on a phone, those extra pixels actually do come through. Mm. Yeah, presumably because the higher – because actually because they're on a phone, there are just more pixels there actually, right? What do you uh, yeah, but, 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 Well, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of strange because like uh, you know, even if I do it on my 4K monitor on my – desktop flux would still be blurry and it's yeah. that for whatever reason because yeah. of the operating system and game maker or whatever it's that like if i say uh this game is is uh what was crash ends originally was like 960 by 540 <laughs> yeah it's yep. 540p so like if i say all right uh, the, my viewport is is 960 by 540 then on on a desktop machine that is, those are the pixels that i have in my viewport, but on mobile, it actually does still give me all the pixels that the display has, and GameMaker just kind of like yeah, interpolates, stre- stretches things to to yeah. make mm-hmm. them big enough to fill the space. So it's all like it's all very there's like different platforms, different aspect ratios, different you know like all these different things. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things but, that you but, learn very quickly with cross-platform development. Um, this is also true for web dev, um, mm-hmm. where the there's so many differences between devices um, that uh, if you're designing where, with a one-to-one plan where you're like, this is exactly how many pixels wide this thing is. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like. Like, this is exactly the color profile, like all these kinds of things, right? You will inevitably be extremely bummed out when you flip it up mm-hmm. on some other device you haven't looked at yet, and you're like, "The fuck is it's like?" And it, and it, it's like for web dev, it used to be the case that that's what people tried to do, right? And yeah. like the earlier, earlier days before smartphones and stuff, and then as smartphones became really dominant and screen sizes kind of started to get all over the place, and they're were, they're were vertical most of the time and tiny, right, and all this stuff, then people had to really change approaches to just. It's it's more of like a it's almost like a spitballing kind of a process, right? Where you're like you're like, this is where roughly it's supposed to be, you know? Yep. And like and you like kind of you kind of create a range of of like desired outcomes, and you try to make things fit within that range. Mm-hmm. But then otherwise, you're not too picky about because there's even stuff like the the latest like literally like within months ago uh, changes to like the web with CSS is new color types, like new ways to specify color that actually give you access to colors that cannot be defined in RGB space. That historically, like the reason that we were trapped there was because our monitors could only render those colors, right? But there are now monitors out there that actually can can display colors that are 
not in the normal RGB space, right? That have not been available on monitors before, basically. Like increasing the possible color space, right? And so now you can like you can use these new color models like in CSS or whatever, right? But if you do that, then and then you open it up on a monitor that supports it, and the one that doesn't, right? The one that doesn't literally can't draw that color, right? It's just physically impossible. And so what it has to do is try to like find a different color, right? That like is the same, you know, right? But what does that mean in color space? Because if you like, if you do any color like deep dives at all, all you'll find oh, is it's horrific. Oh, it is a fucking hot mess, right? It is, it is I a mean, if wild you, world. If you ever want to get something printed that you make oh digitally. God, yeah. Buckle, yeah, actually, yeah, printing is a good example. It's the same buckle problem, your right? pants. It's, yeah, it's the same yeah. problem. Your printers can only printers can only print at certain basically certain and certain color spaces, and so you might yep. have you might have a really cool design you made that the colors you chose for it just literally aren't available. You can't you cannot use those colors, and so you have to pick some proxies, but then know your values are all messed up, so the whole thing just looks dumb and soupy. You know, yep. at the end of the day, because it doesn't work correctly. Oh man, yeah, well, yeah. and the you can other, even see this on your own monitor, just switching between like different because you can change your saturation and you know, yep. like like no two people are experiencing the same thing even just at the color level right welcome to hell yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're just designing for uh yeah a you, you just need a lot of wiggle room you're, you're aiming for a design that whether it's like color or resolutions or whatever that like kind of it's like a bell curve right mm-hmm. that handles like the 90 percent of the like the most common cases in the middle yes quite well then there's like fringe cases that it can accommodate that maybe aren't perfect, but like good enough. And then there'll be Still cases works. on the very extremes where you're like, fuck that. We're not even going <laughs> to yeah, And the trick to all this stuff is trying to figure out like, okay, what do I, given all the constraints you're designing against to so like what your target audience is and all that kind of stuff is just how do you design with this like flexibility first so that while any one outcome may not be like the ideal one that you envision that they're all fine, right? So even like Seth mentioned earlier, like if you deal with wide ass screens and you're used to pinning things to corners for like HUD stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you instead pin them relative to the center so that now like they start positioning themselves relative to the center of the screen, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about. There will always be a center. <laughs> There's always a center, right? Always. And so now, yeah. now suddenly you don't have to worry about if things are flying off to the edges of the screen, right? Yeah. Or, so, or what you do is you kind of establish fake corners where you say like, okay, yeah. the cor- I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually pin them to the corners of the screen. I'm going to make like a fake box. Yeah. You make a normally, 16 by nine fake box, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. like that box is normally the size of the, of the screen. But once the screen starts getting too wide, the box, that box will stop getting wider, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the box that we actually pin the UI stuff to, to right? Yep. Um, yeah. So there, there's all these, and this is this is kind of the. It's, I mean, it's it shouldn't have been much of a revelation, you know. Hmm. But in retrospect, it, it kind of was. Where like when we when I got into making games, it was like game jams, small games, blah blah blah. And also, you know, it was it was at a time where like iPhones were all sixteen by nine, mm-hmm. all smartphones were sixteen by nine, desktop was all sixteen by nine, with the occasional four by three, like old ass monitor, right? Um, and, and over time, as we started actually like making commercial games that we wanted to sell and, and like, if you go to the Google play console and you can say, okay, here's the 43,000 different Android devices with all their different specs. Right. And you start to realize that's only barely exaggeration. Cause like the last time I checked it was 16,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah, It's so many and they phase a lot out over time too. Right. And so it's kind of like, you kind of don't realize at the beginning, just how much of your work isn't in 
like designing the game, like like the game mechanics and stuff. It's it's compromising the design of the game against all of these other like wildly unpredictable platform requirements and specs and um, even simple stuff like you would think that that you should be able to read controller inputs with your game, right? Mm-hmm. Except not every controller sends the same inputs. There is okay. no uh, industry standard for controllers. Yeah, there are well, some well, standards, but even though there are some, m- like most rando controller companies just do their own thing anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, w- and what makes uh, Steam so good is that s- it is like you can actually use, say, like a PlayStation controller with, uh, with games on Steam because Steam actually has an intermediate layer that they have set up to, to handle all these different problem. controllers and convert them into a universal input. Um, and so there's just all these layers, of, whether it's like localization, aspect ratios, controllers, uh, inter- interface design, blah, 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 resolution of like how big are the artists. There's just like a, a million technical problems mm-hmm. um, that you have to reconcile. And if you don't, then if you don't if you don't worry about any of those things, then most of your players will have a bad experience <laughs> because at least one of those problems will hit Everybody. the average person, yep. right? And so you so you have to spend so much time not not thinking about like oh this cool weapon I'm designing or this cool quest or this new city. It's like no, it's like can we get seven versions of this tree? <laughs> 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 so that the game can run better, you know, yeah. and, and uh, which is all to say, like that's a lot of why we we design around like mid tier kinds of devices, typically, mm-hmm. right? And so, so we design towards like high end mobile, and then like mid low tier desktop as much as we can, mm-hmm. um, because that's the space where we can kind of where within those constraints we're comf- we're comfortable with the kinds of stuff that we can and do make, um, and why like we don't go into four K. Because even though it'd be really cool on a 4K monitor, or even on a you know two and a half or three K or whatever monitor, it would like it could in print in theory like make things look really nice, but it might not even like we have to learn a whole bunch of technical mm-hmm. stuff to actually make that be true, right? And then now all of a sudden, if we want that to work on lower end devices or on mobile or on Switch or something, right? Then we are gonna need to down. This, we're going to need yep. new textures anyway, right? To make we got to do a lot work. more work. Yeah. <laughs> and so we try to find that sweet spot of like, of it's going to be a great experience for everybody, right? And where we try to st- – this is also why we like we use this cartoony style, right? Because the cartoony style survives like down downscaling and upscaling mm-hmm. like really well. Um, and other styles don't necessarily. Yeah. People are mad about it because it's not realistic, right? It's not like yep. what – this person now just looks like a really it's weird so billboard. Oh, I mean, this is this is <laughs> this has been something that that I've always admired about um, Blizzard's approach to making World of Warcraft because mm-hmm. it came out in two thousand four, mm-hmm. and it did not have cutting edge graphics in two thousand four <laughs> at that time, right? Like it it looked pretty mediocre, honestly. I like, mean, I assume in terms it, of it like looks good today, right? But it still doesn't have cutting edge graphics. Yeah, right. and it never will, yeah. you know, um, because that's by design. They, they've purposely stylized the art for this reason, right? So it's not it's not photorealistic, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a bit cartoony, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, and 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 kind of hyper exaggerated. Like it's kind of famous for like characters that have insanely huge shoulder pads, right? And it's like <laughs> it's because, especially back in the day when your typical uh, monitor was like. 
1024 by 768 was like the resolution back then. Um, and you're playing this game where you're going to see lots of characters on your screen and you're zoomed out in a third person view and your own character is kind of small. Then having like one or two big distinguishing features like a helm and big shoulder pads right? Yep. <laughs> or, or a weapon that's like twice the size of your character uh, made it so that you could actually Readable. visually read stuff, mm-hmm. right? And and that style has has persisted through almost twenty years now. And they've they've upgraded stuff, and they've been sort of like over the years slowly making the making the character models have more polygons, and you know upgrading the, the environments and all that. But uh, that kind of approach does stand the test of time, you know, because if you're like if you want if you want to counter example this, go watch Tron Legacy. Mm. Okay, Tron Legacy does a CGI Jeff Bridges. That oh, just really? does not. It just does not hold. Up. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and it looked it looked kind of whack at the time, but now that that uh, you know visual effects technology has just continually made it easier to make things more Real. photorealistic, right? Then if you're aiming for that realism, um, then you are just fully constrained by the technology at the time, and you can only make it look so good, right? But if you pick a style and go with that, yeah, and it already looks good, then it'll always. Yeah, well, because you can take, you can put up Crashlands on your 4K monitor, you know, like right now, like OG Crashlands, right? And like, yeah, you can tell it's got low texture density, right? Um, But at the same time, you probably don't give a shit. It's like, it's a rare person who gives a shit because the thing is stylized in such a way that it feels- Why would you give a shit? (laughs) Yeah, it it feels actually like, it makes more sense actually that it's like kind of, it's like pixely, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of- there's a lot of things you can do to to mitigate some of the, the technical issues that you're going to come across as you're working on like art and you know all of that stuff. Um, yeah, going going for that hyper realism, I think, does kind of do put it. you into a box, right? Where like if you got hyper realistic trees, then that means like as a player gets close to them, they need to have a lot of detail, which also means as you get far away, the detail needs to go away. Otherwise, the computer catches on fire. You know, so uh, lots of stuff to consider. Uh, and I think that's probably all the time we have, honestly. Is <laughs> <laughs> it just one? We just one question. Uh, I mean, we could we could take a crack at a second one if you guys think you want to, if we can do it quick. I don't is, know. That, is it a quick one? I don't know. I don't know what the question is. Is yeah. any? Would, There's no such thing. fair. Here's the thing. It's not the question that's the problem. Am I the drama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next yeah. time. Yeah, we'll Clearly. hold it next time. Yeah. All right. And and also we'll open up the uh we'll 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 de- we'll make the pruning on the site less aggressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that, go so go can, put some questions in there. Yeah. Plop uh, them in. All right. Well, well, that's all the time we have for this week. So we'd like to thank our producers Fat Bard and Sampa DeCosta for putting the podcast together and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.